0: To say, but you can take a look at it yourself, and it's a good text about civil disobedience. That is the the uh, uh, the, the duty on the Christian to obey the civil government, and uh, that is that would extend uh, to uh, our driving practices. Um, okay, well, that's enough said about that. I, I might get stoned. Um, let's get to, to Romans chapter 3 and read that last paragraph one more time. Where is boasting then? I'm in verse 27, Romans 3:27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now, A couple of weeks ago, I said to you that uh, this final paragraph is Paul giving us three characteristics of the gospel that he had preached and was willing to shed his blood for. And the first one we ran over was that uh, one of the results of this gospel is, or the correct gospel, the real gospel, the one that Paul uh, uh, is divinely given to preach, is one that will exclude all boasting. That is, no boasting is permitted, and there would not be a desire to boast if we understand this gospel all of the things that perhaps had been grounds and bases of our, of our um, standing before God are ripped out from underneath us because there is nothing in which we are to boast. And then I said last week, I don't know why he stuck in verse 28 where he stuck it. But I said, uh, I'm glad he did. But I still don't know the, 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 the sequence or understand the sequence in Paul's brain as he is listing these three characteristics, And then he jumps aside to this uh, verse 28 and and gives us a succinct, uh, precise, concise summary of the gospel by simply saying, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, tonight he's going to give us the second characteristic, the second of the three. We'll save the third one for next week. But the second of the three is really contained in verses 29 and 30. Or is he the God... Of the Jews only. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Guys, um, there is a truth contained in these two verses that is one of the more upsetting to the people of God. Um, particularly if you're new to this, if this is uh, the, if the your entrance into the kingdom has come somewhat recently, there is a there is something in here that is um, hard to swallow, and and we'll take a look at it in a minute. But the second characteristic of this salvation is that all distinctions are abolished. In verse 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? He is not. Also, is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. The, the, verse 29 is suggesting that there is no distinctions to be made between people, Jews and Gentiles. And I think you know that the Gentiles is a word that means the nations. It's the Hebrew word goyim. And the Goyim is Jews and the Goyim. That's what you are. You're Goyim. Except we have one um, real, live, uh, converted Jewish brother here. But the rest of us, we're all Goyim. And so he's saying, is there a God for the Jews and a God for the rest of us? The Goyim, the Gentiles? No, no, no. There's only this one God. There are not two gods, one for Jews and one for Gentiles. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the only issue in, in, in writing one's relationship with this God is the issue of faith. That's the only issue there is. It is not nationality. There is no nation who has the most favored uh, status. No, no. Uh, this is one God. He is the God of the Jews, God of the Gentiles, and the only way that we will ever stand in the presence of that God it surrounds the issue not of nationality, not of some kind of supposed preference, but by faith alone. Faith, receiving Christ, is the issue, not one's nationality. All mankind is leveled. That's what grace does, ladies and gentlemen. It levels the playing field in terms of one's, uh, one being closer than the other. That's not what um, that we can expect. Gang, um, no one can stand before God on any other basis than the basis of grace through faith alone. So don't expect, as the Jew expected, that there was one God for us and another God for for the rest of you guys, but this God is ours. No. And that's what Paul is seeking to correct in the mind of the Jew. Um, And the idea, you know, um, even when Jesus came... You may recall, uh, his, his ministry was quite limited to Jews. And you remember how he shooed away the woman who was the Gentile woman that came to him and said, Do the crumbs, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I, I'm only here to feed the children, not the dogs. She was a Syrophoenician woman and, and, a, and a Gentile. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs lick up the crumbs under the table. And um, uh, Jesus was so impressed with such a reply that he granted her her wishes. But the point is, even Jesus came, almost perpetuating um, this idea that we were, um, we were going to have this thing to ourselves. No. Nobody's got it to themselves, ladies and gentlemen. There's one God. He is also the God of the Gentiles, and that would happen to be me. I'm a Gentile. Um, and there is only him that we must deal with. Now, verse 2 says, um, or our second verse, verse 30, not that there is, I mean, there is only one God and there is only one way to get to Him. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. There is only one God and only one strategy to get into His presence. Now, folks, um, we've eliminated all distinctions between Jew and Gentile because there's this only this one God. There is one God, and uh, he is reconciled by faith only. Um, and that, ladies and gentlemen is probably one of the most controversial stands that you and I take as Christians. You know, I, I think I've said this in here before, but I, I marvel at some of the statements that Dr. Laura is able to get away with. You know, she just um, takes shots at this. Honey, get on back home to your children. You know, forget that. You know, she just is really raw and and, and forceful at times. Would you not agree? And she just, uh, she really toes a line on so many of the moral issues that you and I are, are fighting. And I've often wondered how it is that she gets away with what she gets away with. When we have the same positions and we can't get away with it. And here is the reason, I think, why she gets away with it. Because she never claims that there is an exclusive path to God. She never makes that stand. We do. You've heard the, uh, the little illustration about the mountain, and, um, you know, uh, I've heard that so many times, ladies and gentlemen, across 25 years of ministry, that I wonder, did they publish that somewhere? Did, how did they get that thing? It's the idea of the mountain, and God's at the top of the mountain, and everybody takes a different path up to him, and, you know, that kind of thing. You've heard that before, have you not? I'm going to make an observation that I think is a good one, but it's not original with me. I think it was Robbie Zacharias from whom I got it. Um, But this is the man who is trying to teach a pluralistic view of religion. That is, they're all the same, you know, they're all just fine, and they're all going to take us to the top some way, you know, we're all going to get there. But uh, Robbie's, I think it was his, uh, observation was, do you realize what they have done is make themselves into a new absolute? Because to have such a stance is, is to mean that there's got to be somebody on top of the God at the top of the mountain who can see all this. And you can see, look, you can look down that mountain, he can say, oh, there's a whole bunch of paths, they just lead right up to God. But what they've done is say, no, we won't take that, uh, that exclusivistic stuff that you preach, but what we're saying is there's uh, all the paths, and we know it. We're the only ones that have that perspective. We're the only ones that are smart enough to look down and see that there's all these paths leading to God. So you've you've ultimately got to have an absolute to deny that there's an absolute. The things that they hate are the very things that their own positions uh, are self-contradicting. And that mountain thing is a self-contradicting perception on the part of of unbelievers. To have such a thing, you've got to have an absolute to see such a thing. Do you see that? But guys... Um, The position that you and I hold is that there's only one way to get to this God, and it is by and through faith. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what makes you hate it. They, They don't mind that we have religious services. In fact, they don't even mind if we hold on to a certain morality. As long as we don't say that our morality is the only God-given one. Um, There is an exclusivity that none of the others have, although that's not true. If you study, um, um, they'll make just as exclusive a claim. But we're the ones out there saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, if if you're new to this whole thing, um, I I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't impose my experience on you, but it was my experience that when I became a Christian, the hardest thing I had to deal with was John 14, 6. Do you hear what that says? I am the way, not a way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you know what you've done? When I was in uh, college, um, I was a pagan, and um, I lived in an athletic dorm, which was filled with lots of other pagans. And um, uh, we thought we were God's gift to humanity and to members of the opposite sex as well. And um, um, I lived on the third floor because you had the, you know, the the football players lived on the first floor, and then the uh, the underclassmen in the football team lived on the second floor and then they started putting all those other guys um, on the third floor and the fourth floor so the baseball team and the golf team um, were all on the third floor and then there was the track team down there and the tennis team and all that business but I I was right across the hall from the golf team and uh, while I was out just raising cane there was a guy across the hall from me who was a golfer and he was an ethnic Jew, that is. I mean, his his bloodlines were all Jewish. And everybody on our end of the hall on the third floor in the athletic dorm of the University of Tennessee would have all said the most legitimately moral person on this hall is him. He was gracious, he was kind, he loaned me his car once. I had a date. <laughs> Uh, I had a date with uh, the maid of cotton,
1: <laughs>
0: and and I was scrambling around for a car, and um, <laughs> it was really bizarre. Um, but anyway, um, this guy would come forward. He had a car. Not everybody had a car, but I and I didn't have one. But he loaned me his car. I mean, he was he was gracious. He was kind. He was not. I mean, he 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 had the same loosened tongue as the rest of us perhaps and a foul mouth. But he was always in class, always doing the right thing, and then I meet Jesus. And I bump up against John fourteen six. You know what that means? You understand what that means? That means this guy, who is far more religious Moral, kind that I ever dreamt of being is excluded I wrestled with that for the first three or four years of my Christian experience guys that's what we're doing do you understand who you're writing off when you take that stance that there is only one God and only one way to get to him what you are saying is write off the rest of them I don't enjoy saying that, ladies and gentlemen. I, I but I'm telling you what, and, and you know I, <laughs> um, when I, I flew down to see Sharon Bolton in uh, in Houston when she was so ill, and uh, Kelly uh, Bolton Jordan, do you know her? Uh, she's the one that's just had the baby that's so premature and um, was on the respirator. It was three months premature and um was on the respirator, they took the baby off the respirator, and now they put the baby back on the uh, respirator because the baby has developed an infection. But we went down there, and Kelly, of course, was no part of this disease problem, but she was down there with her mother, et cetera. And Kelly is a very good friend of this one man that I'm alluding to. I'm still a very good friend of his. I mean, I, I, I have talked to him about the Lord, uh, never gotten very far, but I've talked to him. Um, he's very respectful of my positions. Uh, Etc. But uh, Kelly knows this this guy too, and she loves him like I do. And she was saying at supper, she said, "Don't you just wish there's some kind of secret way that God hasn't revealed to us that, that that people like this will get into heaven? Don't you? Don't you just feel like there was some kind of way that God is going to reveal to us before it's all over that there's a way that you know that He's going to make you know exceptions for some of these wonderful people?" but he's not according to his word. I mean, that you, you don't hear me saying that he is, do you, I hope. She's just postulating, and I was just postulating her postulates. Um, but there is only one way, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm telling you the non-Christian world hates you more for that than any other thing that we believe. They will let us be who we are if we want to be as long as we eliminate that one claim. You know, there are, there are uh, commentaries that you can read, uh, you know, uh, particularly about the, the four Gospels. Oh, gosh. And uh, they are, um, they will come to places where the commentaries will say, this is one of Jesus's hard sayings. Like, woe to you, Sodom, because if I had done the same kind of stuff in, uh, no, woe to you, uh, Bethsaida. Because if I'd done the same kind of things in you that I, or in Sodom that I did in you, they would have repented long ago. Woe to you! And they call those the hard sayings of Jesus. Well, I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think those are hard things. This is something I think is hard. To say, as we hold on to the claims that we make, we are writing them all off. Nobody's going to heaven but us. That's what we believe. We believe that, and that is hated by Mormons, by Jehovah's Witnesses, by the liberal, by the left wing. Uh, what are we, right or left? But by the liberals, they abominate. And and very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we are the ones that are so being billed as intolerant because of opposition. All the Jews, all the Gentiles are going to get to him by, by or through faith. That's it. Do you enjoy doing something like that? Right. Writing them all off? I don't enjoy that. I, 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 I don't. I mean, when, once you begin to think that we are... We're not writing off that there's Christians in India or Christians in Burma or wherever that place that y'all went. Um, uh, Burma doesn't exist. It's Myanmar. I knew that. Um, We're not saying all that, but we're saying that none of the Muslims over there are going to go. Does that that give you pause to gulp? It it does me. Anyway, um, the reigning day of our mentality, ladies and gentlemen, or the reigning mentality of our day recognizes us as a religion, and a, and a very respectable religion among religions. We are one of many, and we are supposed to live and let live, and certainly um, not condemn anybody else for their religion. It's kind of a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I brought this over here because surely you know this word. But if you don't, you, got, you need to know this word. Um, what I just... Described is pluralism. Pluralism. It's hard when you're up close. Pluralism. Is that did I get it right? Oh, we're good. No, I. Did I leave something out? Uh, yeah. No. I left a little cross on the A. Um, that's pluralism, that we are one religion among a whole lot of other religions, and we're a very respectable one, and get used to that, and uh, now there's another word I want to uh, uh, introduce you to if you've never heard this. I mean, it's not a theological word, it's a dictionary word, It's a, but the effort on the part of our culture today is that we want to establish, in fact, I would, I would even say it's the god of uh, this culture, is... than him egalitarianism do you know that word it simply means everybody's equal we want to we want to press everything down into equality so there's a whole bunch of religions out there and as long as you want to go worship over a man you feel free to do that but don't you dare say that your my religion is any less than yours or any longer than, than yours or any less right than yours as long as we can all be equal They will tolerate us. But once you start counting that John 14, 6 stuff, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be branded as the most intolerant group of folks that ever lived. And we are. I mean, they're not using the term correctly. But in their minds, we are the ones who are so terribly intolerant. You jump into the Christian church, ladies and gentlemen, and you become... Intolerant. I mean, we don't approve of gay and lesbian lifestyles around here, do we? Well, you've just got a nice heterosexual marriage, Jimmy, and that's wonderful for you, but my lifestyle is as good as yours. Egalitarianism. Um, one, I, I just commend the student and we'll move on, but if you would like to read a great um, treatment of that um, that whole thing, uh, who's the guy, uh, Bork, the Supreme Court Justice um, yeah. <coughs> Robert Bork? Is that his name? Uh, uh, um, what was that? What was the name of that? book? Descending into slouching towards Gamora. <laughs> I mean, he he deals with it just brilliantly, brilliantly. I I just committed to you. Okay. Um, It was Aristotle who said, um, there are many ways to be wrong. There's only one way to be right. And we believe we were on it. But that is a very hard saying. I want to point out one other thing before we quit, or actually two other things. Uh, Guys, do you know what... um, Does anybody here have a Schofield Bible? Did you you used to have one? Well, you can find this. What I'm about to... Um if you have a Schofield Bible or ever had one, um, or if you know what dispensationalism is, now my thing is like dummit. Dispensationalism. Dispensationalism. Um, do you know what dispensational in the Schofield Bible, ladies and gentlemen. In the Schofield Bible, he promoted it, and it's become, you know, it was a a real hot seller for so many years. Everybody used to tote around a Schofield Bible. And in that, in the notes of the Schofield Bible, um, he taught, and it it became the foundation of a major seminary in this city, in this country. And um, he taught that there were seven different dispensations, seven different ways that uh, a man was saved. The last one, I think, is of grace. Um, And uh, Jesus came, and he was preaching the kingdom. Then there was, um, gosh, um, the Noah, No, no, it wasn't in a sense. It was Adamic, um, Mosaic, um, Davidic, and I think that's it. 1, 2, 3, 4, five. no, the millennium um, is uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I'm missing one. But in those pe- those dispensations, which was a period of time, um, there were different ways by which men were saved. For the, the one I do know that is, uh, well, if you were a part of the Davidic dispensation, you were saved by being a part of the theocracy. If you were in the theocracy headed up by David, that meant that you were on your way to heaven. The other, the Mosaic, I want to say that the terms of the Mosaic was keeping the Ten Commandments. Now, my point is, one of the flaws, by the way, over here, that Jesus came and when he arrived, he preached the kingdom. That is, the kingdom of heaven. But when the Jews rejected what Jesus was um, preaching, then there came another gospel, the gospel of grace. Do you understand how this text right there undercuts this whole thing? that there's only one God, and there's only one way to Him, and it's always been like that. There's only one route to this Heavenly Father. Not seven. Not has there been one back here, and another one over here. I think the other one was the Noahic. Um, Something like that. But, guys, here is our text saying that to get to this God, there's only one way for any kind of man to ever go there, whether he's Jew or Gentile. That is, by and through faith. One other thing, then I'll quit. Um, One of the things that just kind of struck me as I was studying this is that um, when you are a part of the household of faith, when you're a Christian, you look at these things that God has done to provide us a way so that we can be forgiven and stand in his presence. And we glory in his illimitable grace. We bask in the sunshine of a, a... A bottomless love we glory in the things the extremes to which God has gone to save sinners like us and that is the very thing that grace that inexhaustible love to his people that is the very thing that the pagans turn around and call exclusivity to me, it is just another evidence of how darkened and how blinded is the mind of the unbelieving world. The thing that we think is absolutely the most precious and delightful message that we know, that we have a way to get to God through faith in Jesus Christ and Him only, is what the non-Christian world says so reacts against that we are saying that God has provided this way. But only one of them. We love that message. Those outside the household of faith abominated. Let's pray together. Um, does the choir need to leave before I pray? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. Let me give you a minute to get out. i Yes, that is a good one. Particularly if you're a parent and um, your kids say, well, Mom, you're being so intolerant. Well, your kids are going to level that at you because they're going to hear it in their classrooms that there's a new uh, tolerance. It's completely... Redefining the word—that that is a very good recommendation. Let's let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we uh, we are people whose eyes have been hope opened by inexhaustible grace. That the Holy Spirit would would see fit to open our blind eyes and cause us to see our sin and our need for this beautiful Savior is something that we simply cannot get over. And to think that this long-suffering God continues to bear with us as we choose sin and ignore Him and turn our back on Him and grieve Him. We are people who are lost in wonder, love, and praise for a God who is so rich in grace and mercy. We love that because you have opened our eyes to see it. Our longing, O God, is that you would use a church like ours and other churches in this city to reach those with this message that is not bad news. It's the most glorious news they'll ever hear, but they'll never see it. They'll never understand it until the Holy Spirit grants them eyes to see and ears to hear. So, Father, would you see fit to use a bunch of sinners like us to bear a message that the Holy Spirit could indeed use to open the eyes and ears of so many people that could be added to this wonderful kingdom of grace. We long for that, O God. Use us in that regard. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night. Stay dry.